This episode is sponsored by Down to Earth Ice Teas. Our functional super teas are made from organic super herbs and adaptogens and contain no sugar, no preservatives, no food colorings, and range from only zero to 10 calories per bottle. Our beverages are USDA organic, kosher, vegan, non-GMO, and keto and paleo friendly. Finally, bottled beverages that you can truly trust. Check out drinkdowntoearth.com and use promo code PODCAST10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to the Down to Earth Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Amber Krogsfred. Dr. Amber is a naturopathic physician who uses a unique personalized medicine approach with all of her patients. She views each patient as a whole person rather than a set of symptoms and diagnoses. Dr. Amber uses a blend of naturopathic treatments to facilitate healing, including peptide therapy, nutritional counseling, targeted supplementation, detoxification, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, intramuscular injections, and IV therapy. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hi, Dr. Amber. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. It's so great to be here. Thank you. We're super excited to have you on here. We've both been following your work for quite some time and we've learned a tremendous amount from you and super excited to be chatting with you today. And I'd love to start off by learning a little bit more about your background and what initially propelled you to pursuing a field of naturopathic medicine. Yeah. So I had my own experience, my own health journey actually growing up. I grew up in the Midwest, so on a standard American diet, really. And lived by my taste buds for much of my childhood, but I had some skin issues, which I didn't know at the time were related to gut issues. And I went to dermatologists after dermatologists and got topical creams and didn't really see much of a change and didn't really know what was going on in my body to cause that. And then I, in high school, started learning about nutrition and I started studying more about the body and biochemistry and how uh, carbohydrates and fats and proteins are digested. And that experience really opened my eyes through experiencing changes in my diet. And I played volleyball. So I was an athlete and I started tutoring a lot of students and seeing this, really this connection between nutrition and cognition. So someone's ability to retain information and learn really well and how food really played a role in that and sleep in a lot of the students I was working with. And I really had my own kind of revolution of my health where I was like, wow, I am so, I became addicted to feeling that good, amazing energy and, and through food. And I was doing a lot of raw food and juicing for a while. And then I got passionate about what can I do for my life's purpose? How can I help people experience this? And thought about being a dietitian, nutritionist. I was really young at the time. So and I had the grades to uh, pursue pre-med. So I did that, pursued that route. And then the turning point for me really was when I had job shadowed at a few doctor's offices and 
really just saw the system of medicine and a lot of the the patients were coming in on several prescriptions and sent out after a 15 minute appointment on another one. And I just felt like we weren't really able to get to the root of what was going on. And though the doctor's hearts were there for the right reason, they really went into medicine to help patients. There was a system set up that prevented that actual transformative health and And the word regeneration really was powerful for me back then. I wanted to see people regenerate in their health, like to see them have this debilitating condition and really be restored. And had job shadowed in the conventional medical world said, you know, this is, I don't know if I could do this. I'm not sure that I could see myself practicing this way for the rest of my life. And then shortly thereafter, found out about naturopathic medicine through a podcast, investigated the school found out more about the training, how much testing, there's thousand patient contacts, lots of clinical hours. It really is a program that addresses the whole person and focuses on spending a lot of quality time with that patient, understanding their health history and their background and their, their food, their supplements, their nutrition, their sleep, really looking at everything. So when I found naturopathic medicine, I thought this is so in alignment with the transformation that I experienced and what I want to be able to offer my patients and do for my life's work. And I am so grateful that I, I chose that route. It's one of the, the most fulfilling parts of my life. That's such a fascinating story. And I'm really glad that you mentioned the whole notion of regeneration because I feel like so many people might get a negative medical diagnosis or they might feel like getting back to a place of feeling really good is not really in the cards for them if they might be later on in life. But we really do find that with the right lifestyle habits, we could regenerate. And so I'd love to learn a little bit more about the best different things that you found throughout the years that really help people sort of restore balance in their health and get back to feeling optimal. So for many people, pillar one is nutrition and and what we're putting in our body. And because everything that we consume really sends a signal to our body as to what to do, how to repair, whatever we eat is making up our future self, our future cells and the function of them. And, And so that's a really big pillar. Sleep is another huge one that insomnia is just such a, a huge problem right now. So many of my female clients, both young and old, are not getting that incredible, deep, restorative sleep. That is just the fountain of youth to be able to repair during sleep. In naturopathic medicine, we talk about mind-body connection. And so having fulfilling work in your life is actually such a a robust part of, of health as well. So looking at some of the pieces around relationships and your life's work and suppressed traumas and how that can impact development of disease. So I love incorporating that, having conversations about that when applicable with patients, you know, what are there some some blockages there? So, of course, we're looking at a lot of lifestyle conditions, lifestyle habits, and then also that mind-body component is really, really valuable and important to assess. Yeah, definitely. And I want to go back to sleep a little bit because like you mentioned, I think a lot of people are having trouble sleeping or insomnia. So are there any like supplements that you like or sleep hygiene habits that you have your patients do that really helps with sleep optimization? There's a couple things that can be going on with someone who's not sleeping well. A lot of times people will take a melatonin and for some people that doesn't really help. For some people really, it does help. So I think about melatonin levels as one component. And then we have all sorts of neurotransmitters that are signaling 
our sleep and our wake cycles. And so two of those really important ones are called GABA and glutamate. And you think you can think about those as a seesaw or a teeter-totter. One's on one side, one's on the other. So when you have high GABA, you have low glutamate. And when you have the reverse is also true. So we can also have a deficiency in the production of GABA. And so we can, for some people, if they are consuming more of those glutamate producing foods, a lot of high sugar, alcohol, typically at night, that can really interfere with their sleep by spiking glutamate, which reduces our, our production of GABA, that calming, relaxing neurotransmitter. So there's there's a couple of things to consider. Sometimes it's the exposure to light, those artificial blue light, what Dave Asprey calls junk light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can assess several different things. We can also assess cortisol rhythms. We'll look at a woman's pulsation of cortisol, essentially her circadian rhythm. Cortisol is that stress hormone. So if we're producing a lot of that at night, it becomes really hard to fall asleep. It's tricky with sleep and it's so individualized because so many people suffer from sleep issues. And it's so interesting how every individual has different underlying reasons which causes it. Yes, exactly. And there are several different treatments. It depends on what's going on in the woman. Sometimes we'll give her, we call a GABA agonist, something to promote GABA. So I like using things like Mongolia bark, also known as DHHB. We can use melatonin. We can use certain things like phosphatidylserine, which will lower that cortisol, high cortisol stress hormone production if she's really stressed at night. So there's different different therapies based on what we find on, on labs or with symptoms that we can support her with sleep. Awesome. Well, it's good to know that there's lots of healthy, clean options out there for anyone who is going through that. Now, another great form of therapy that you specialize in is peptide therapy, which I know a lot of people are still unfamiliar with. I'd love it if you could please explain a little bit more about peptide therapy, the main benefits, what conditions it's primarily used for, and just the overall results that you've seen with peptide therapy. Yeah. So peptide therapy is a a newer therapy. It is something that can be used therapeutically in medicine. A4M actually has training courses on it. So that's the Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. That's where I was trained in peptide therapy. And essentially, a lot of people have heard about peptides probably from collagen peptides or maybe from a skincare product that has peptides in it. And it's a similar idea, but a little bit different in how we use it in medicine. So essentially what a peptide is, is in the body, our body works on signaling. So 24-7, 365, we have signaling molecules. Some of those are peptides. Peptides are signaling molecules. And so, for example, food is also a signaling molecule because when we eat a a piece of protein, say a, a piece of chicken for lunch, what our body does is it breaks that down into chains of amino acids, which is a peptide. So peptides are just a chain of amino acids different combinations of amino acids will produce a different signal. So that's where we can really signal pathways in the body that we want to happen more. We can signal those repair pathways. We can signal pathways for uh, stem cells in the hair follicle, for regeneration of collagen, for boosting some of those repair hormones like our natural production of growth hormone, And there's a lot of conditions that we can find, like autoimmunity, the instance of that rises in women after the age of 30, thinking about the peptides that are our thymus gland, that immune regulation gland that's in our chest cavity. We decrease the production of those peptides as we age. 
And that may be one of the contributing reasons to autoimmunity in women is the decreasing in that signaling of those, those thymus peptides. So we can boost those levels to help promote immune regulation. I have a lot of women who come to me with food sensitivities, chemical sensitivities, and we can use some of these immune regulation protocols involving peptide therapy to help kind of re-regulate that immune response that's happening in autoimmune conditions. I've used it in women with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So a lot of hormone-related conditions, women with infertility, we can use specific peptides for that to help boost the signaling there. All sorts of other concerns. Women who have insomnia can really benefit from things that will improve deep wave sleep, which is where a lot of hormone, while we're sleeping, those delta waves, that deep, deep sleep, our hormones regulate. A lot of hormone regulation and repair is happening at night. So we can use peptides for that. There's a peptide to address nearly any concern. Chronic back pain. I have a patient with a spinal cord injury. We've used that. There's certain ones that help with nervous tissue, kind of awakening that. So there's really a lot of options for peptides. It really just depends on the main health concerns and complaints of the person I'm working with. Some of the stories, some of the experiences that I've seen reported, I've used these in both men and women. There's a few peptides. There's some that are used more for optimization. So for some of my clients who are maybe competing or they're in a place where they're either a model and they have to be in great physical shape all of the time, there's certain peptides that we can use for that to help produce natural growth hormone, their body's own production of it. And that can help with lean mass, building lean muscle mass when you're weight training. It can help with really regulating metabolism. We have certain peptides that boost mitochondrial function. So that's really what's producing energy in the cell. And that can be really helpful in women with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, any sort of chronic pain. A lot of times the mitochondria are impacted. So there's so many different options. I've seen sleep improve. I've seen energy levels improve. I've seen autoimmune diseases revert. A lot of the symptoms of back pain will dissipate and improve substantially on some of these peptide therapies. That's unbelievable. Now with the peptide therapies, does it really depend on the condition or what you're using the peptide therapy for? Like, does that depend on how long it'll take to see the results? So for example, like an autoimmune condition will take longer than maybe the natural growth hormone and seeing some results in lean body mass. Yeah, it does depend on the what we call chronicity. So how chronic is the, the condition and how young is the person? Because in somebody who's maybe 40, they're going to have more signaling happening than somebody who's 60 or 70. But that's kind of the beauty of this is we can promote some of those repair pathways. So it really depends on, I have some autoimmune patients who are in their 30s and I have some that are in their 50s and 60s. And so typically if you're 30, you'll have a little bit of a faster response. The beautiful thing is it's never too late to add in some of these. I've seen people who are 70 benefit from certain peptides that help promote repair and recovery because their body's just not repairing. The reason that we age is because our degradation, the damage that's happening in the cell is happening faster and more frequently than the repair. 
So if we can upregulate, support that repair cycle, repair the cell, it ages much better, much slower, usually results in changes in energy, better skin, depending on the effect that we're looking for. And you mentioned the use of thymosin for some autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. So are you assessing progress based on symptoms or are you also noticing like through lab work that their antibodies are being lowered? So both and you can see changes in antibodies. A lot of times I'll like to pair something like thymosin alpha, which is one of those peptides that the thymus gland produces. And there actually is a lot of research on PubMed about there is lower production of thymus and alpha in some of these autoimmune conditions, one of them being ankylosing spondylitis. They just have lower production. So if we can help the body's support production of that, that peptide, we can help immune regulation. So in autoimmunity, that means less of attacking self and more of attacking a pathogen when it will, if we engage with the pathogen, the immune system will be able to respond to that, but not attack self. So yeah, we can see changes in symptoms. I have some cool stories about one of my patients with, I think, three autoimmune conditions. So ankylosing spondylitis, uveitis, and a third one, young patient who noticed dramatic changes within about, within a weekend. So we started them on the thymus and alpha peptide and they were having low back pain that was interfering with life. This was a patient in their thirties. So that's a really pretty young to think about dealing with autoimmune condition that affects your activity level for the rest of your life. And starting them on BPC, thymus and alpha. So BPC is a 157 is a peptide that our gut makes. It really protects the gut lining. It can help with autoimmune GI conditions like Crohn's. And they noticed dramatic changes in a matter of a couple days just in terms of back pain. And now they're able to lift weights and do deadlifts, which weren't really possible uh, prior. So yeah, it's it's really powerful when you think about re-regulating the body, re-regulating the signaling and what's happening in autoimmunity. We're, We're really addressing the root cause of that. That all sounds incredible, but are there any side effects associated with this type of therapy or are there any groups of people that this type of therapy might not be recommended for? Yeah, great question. So it's very specific to the peptide. Thymus and alpha has been used in many other countries. Europe has been using it for many years. And the United States has been, we haven't really embraced it here, but it's extremely well tolerated. The side effect profile is very low. If someone does have an autoimmune condition, it's possible that it'll flare it. It can get worse before it gets better, but that's a very small percentage of patients who experience that most people, the biggest concern is that they might have some mild redness where they injected, which is possible with any injection. So the side effect profile is extremely low, especially when you compare it to any sort of pharmaceutical drug. It doesn't interfere with pharmaceutical medications because it doesn't get processed in the kidneys and liver. It doesn't tax those organs like pharmaceutical medications do. And it doesn't cause suppression. So somebody with an autoimmune condition is typically put on a biologic or something like Humira, which really just shuts down and suppresses the immune system. The way that peptides work is helping your body to do better at what it knows how to do, but maybe forgot how to do effectively. And because of that, it's working with our natural body signaling 
there's very few side effects. It's really in alignment with the way that our body has been trying to function, but just has hasn't been doing the job, hasn't been getting the right signal to do so. So yeah, there are a few peptides that are contraindicated. Some of the growth hormone releasing peptides we don't use in in somebody with an active case of cancer. That's an obvious one. We don't use, there's a peptide called melanotan, which causes tanning in the skin. If somebody has some sort of skin cancer history of current, we advise not to use that one as a contraindication. But generally, when you look at all peptides, the side effect profile is extremely low. The worst that I've seen in one patient was they developed antibodies to one of the peptides, which means they just were kind of a non-responder. They didn't respond to it and they noticed a little bit more redness at the injection site. That's less than 1% of people who will develop antibodies to something like a peptide. Most people respond extremely well to them. Now, I know you mentioned PCOS a little bit too, which is, as we know, very common. So what are some peptide therapies that you use just in general for women's health? I know you also can use it as like a hormone replacement therapy. Yes, you can. So there are certain peptides that help improve the signaling of the pituitary for some of these hormones. There's actually one called gonadarellin, which is a newer newer peptide. We'll use it in men to improve testosterone levels. So it increases natural synthesis of testosterone by signaling LH. Another peptide that we use sometimes is KISS peptin 10. It's essentially an analog or it's the same thing as what HCG would do, which is to boost that natural signaling of LH or luteinizing hormone. So for men, that boosts testosterone. For women, that helps support fertility. And a lot of times in women with PCOS, infertility is, is a big issue. So we can use certain things like gonadarellin. We can use a lot of, you know, PCOS. The other really big piece is blood sugar regulation and insulin resistance. And there's some peptides that help really well with that. We used to have an injectable form of liraglutide, and there's essentially a new peptide that you can use in place of that. But working on blood sugar regulation, we know that when somebody has insulin resistance, that there's poor signaling happening there. And so we can support that through using peptides to kind of reawaken that tissue in producing the proper amount of insulin. So that's a really, really big piece of the PCOS picture is working on insulin resistance, working on proper signaling. A lot of times a woman will have elevated levels of testosterone. And so we want to keep that at bay. We don't necessarily want to to boost that, but there are some things that we can use also dietarily that to support a woman's blood sugar regulation, chromium, manganese, a lot of these different micronutrients can help too. So it's a, it's a multifactorial approach. I don't use just peptides, but sometimes it'll give someone that extra push. It really can move the needle if they're not signaling appropriately. And then we add in something that helps the body to signal appropriately it can really, really help. And insulin, interestingly enough, thinking about diabetes and the insulin resistance that is a rampant problem in America at this point in time, insulin is actually a peptide that was discovered back in like the 1920s and 30s and came to market. And that's really where peptides started is they found that one and they started injecting it and realizing, oh, we can support signaling in the body. So that's one that a lot of people will know about is insulin. Oh, that's so interesting. Now, 
Preventative health is becoming more popular. And for people out there who might not have any underlying conditions, but are always looking to just improve their health, would you recommend peptide therapy just for preventative reasons? Or is it something that people should explore more when they have a specific issue that they're working on? Yeah. So I see both types of patients. And it's fun for me to see some of those patients who really are the optimization point. They don't have a major chronic issues to address. They really just want to feel better, have energy, feel well as they age. Maybe they're, they're weight training and they want to maximize their repair and recovery. So yeah, you can really use it for optimization. That's a fun way to go about it. So for all the biohackers out there, this is really kind of a growing part of maybe what might be included in the biohacking community. But you want to work with a practitioner on these because they're injectable and there's dosing protocols and whatnot. But these are also phenomenal for someone. And I see a lot of patients with chronic infections, chronic illness, so mycotoxin exposure or Lyme disease or CMV or mono, so EBV. And these tax the mitochondria, they can cause a lot of fatigue, brain fog. And so we can use certain peptides to boost the mitochondria, which are probably not turning out a lot of energy for them. They're, they're feeling really tired. So they're, they're really indicated in both situations. We're just using a different protocol and probably different peptides, but certain, certain peptides can help someone not only repair from a chronic illness, but with optimization because they're correcting those pathways that haven't been wiring and firing. They're working on repair. They're working on energy production in the body they're really supporting the patient, whether their goal is optimization or healing from a chronic illness. So it's really helping address the root cause. Yes. When we think about the root cause behind autoimmunity, it's an immune dysregulation issue. Same with cancer. Cancer is an immune dysregulation issue. So there's a signaling problem there. And so we need to correct that signaling problem. A lot of times for food sensitivities, for chemical, multiple chemical sensitivity, there's this an overreactivity of the immune system. So we need to help direct the immune system again, instruct it how to signal and not attack self. So yeah, it's correcting really the root. Because a lot of a lot of my patients will come to me and they'll they've worked with a nutritionist for a while, which is phenomenal. And that's a huge important component. They'll have done either some pharmaceutical medications or tried a lot of the natural things and they're just like, I'm not getting the result. I have this chronic condition and I can't get rid of it. And then we correct the signaling that's happening behind it. And you can create a faster response because changing your diet can be so helpful, but it can't correct an underlying immune dysfunction regulation issue that's been deep-seated for, for many years where peptides can touch that kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. It's like that missing puzzle piece that you're really helping put together. Yeah, exactly. And peptide therapy is also used for anti-aging, which I'm sure a lot of people are really interested in. <laughs> ah, we can talk about it for that. So not only can you use it for autoimmune conditions, we use certain peptides for hair regeneration. So for men who are balding, women with thinning hair, very common. I feel like so many of my patients report that now probably due to chronic stress and lots of other factors. So we're looking at root cause for all of that. Are they absorbing all their nutrients in the gut? Do they have some intestinal permeability? Is it a cortisol issue? Are they not sleeping? What are some of the, the key players and things like hair loss? Genetics is obviously one for some people as well. So, But there are certain things that we can do like PRP, which is that platelet-rich plasma for 
hair regeneration also for collagen synthesis in the skin. So that's just taking your own blood and doing a blood draw, spinning it down, taking that gold serum after we spin it in a centrifuge and reapplying that either by injection to the scalp or onto the skin to help repair that to boost collagen production. A lot of times I like to combine that with things like peptides for an even better response and effect in repairing that tissue. So one of the really uh, phenomenal peptides for both hair regeneration and collagen synthesis in the skin is called GHKCU. It's a copper peptide. I think we mentioned that one in our talk before as well. We did. Yeah. And this one really, we found it when we were looking at improving wound healing and regenerating tissue. And so it can boost collagen production, also what we call the GEGs or glycosaminoglycans, which are a really com- important component to rebuilding strong, healthy skin. And it also has been shown to activate DNA repair genes. So you think about the aging process that DNA gets damaged because of too much offenses to it, essentially too much oxidative stress. So the GHKCU peptide can really protect against that DNA damage, which is a phenomenal action of it. It can boost what they call antioxidant genes. So further protecting against some of that free radical damage that happens to the skin. And it is phenomenal to use with hair regeneration protocols. I like to use something called valproic acid, something called PTD, DBM. It's another peptide used for hair regeneration. Then we have GHKCU, which is a copper peptide that can be used for hair regeneration. And then a Thymus and beta-4 is the other one that I use for hair regeneration along with PRP hair treatment. So there's lots of options for anti-aging for skin. A lot of times you can apply these over a scar, like the GHKCU comes in a foam, comes in a cream. So you can apply it over scars, acne scars, or any other sort of scar to help heal that collagen because a scar really is, it is collagen fibers, but when you have a kind of a gnarly healing of a scar and it doesn't look super pretty, it's because of the the collagen fibers are not properly cross-linked. And so we need all of these important components to help kind of cross-link that again. That's where the GHKCU can come in really helpful. That's so interesting. And it's so good to know that this could really help so many issues. I know with anti-aging specifically, so many people undergo such intense treatments and they go under the knife, which you know sometimes might be necessary, but it is good to know that there's a less invasive alternative to at least try that could potentially result in the same thing. Absolutely. And there's indication for even using these post-surgery if somebody does If surgery is the option, it's most indicated for them. We have post-surgery healing protocols, which you can apply certain things to that scar tissue to help it heal, like GHKCU or other blends. There's TB4, thymosin beta-4, and BPC-157, which are an amazing protocol to use for post-surgery healing if you broke a bone or you have a fracture. Those are phenomenal. So yeah, they can be used in conjunction with conventional medicine, but hopefully also as an alternative to potential more invasive strategies. Definitely. Now, I know you also work a lot with NAD. I've seen you post a lot about NAD patches. I know you also work with NAD IVs, and I've heard a lot of really great things about NAD. What are the main, I mean, for people who haven't heard about NAD before, what's its main function and when do you really find it to be the most beneficial? 
So NAD is a coenzyme in the mitochondria. So you can think about, you have trillions of cells in the body. Every single cell has thousands of mitochondria, which are essentially, they're just churning out this energy molecule, ATP, 24-7-365, to help your cells to protect themselves, to protect your DNA, to generate energy for brain function and for powering your muscles when you're working out. And what happens as we age is NAD is, so it's a coenzyme, we need it to produce energy in the cell. It's really important molecule in that process. And as we age, that level drops in a lot of chronic infections like Lyme or mycotoxin exposure. There'll be an intense level of fatigue, intense or mono. And one of the reasons behind the fatigue is because those mitochondria are so taxed. They're also involved in the antiviral the immune response as well. So if we can give the mitochondria some more help, support for energy production, our hormones are made in the mitochondria, <laughs> like cortisol, progesterone, testosterone, they're actually, they're made in the cell, but then the part of the cell that they're made in is the mitochondria. So a lot of women that I work with that have hormone imbalances they probably also have cortisol imbalances. And we think about, oh man, their mitochondria actually might be suffering to make these hormones appropriately. So adding in some mitochondrial support is really, really indicated for so many of my patients with hormone issues. And that's approach that not a lot of practitioners have really taken up until this point. We're just seeing such a common thread in a lot of these, not only chronic hormone issues, but chronic degenerative issues like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, brain fog, muscle weakness, MS, ALS, that there's research on the link between mitochondrial dysfunction and the development of some of these conditions. So NAD, I think about as a neuroprotective molecule. It actually really protects our DNA from damage as well, similar to what GHKCU can act on some of those protective mechanisms. But it helps with energy. In a lot of my women who have insomnia and they aren't getting that deep restorative sleep that repairs the mitochondria at night, we can give them some NAD to help with that the energy production if they do have a chronic infection, NAD can help. If they do have a more severe developing neurological condition like MS, ALS, I have several patients who really benefit from NAD IVs or the patches. There's all sorts of ways of administering NAD, intranasal, which is very specific for the brain. If there is a, a brain fog condition or Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, a lot of times we use something very specific for that or systemic you can inject it subcutaneously, so into the abdominal fat like you would a peptide. But it really is a, I would call it an anti-aging molecule, but also a molecule that our body needs for life, for brain function, for muscle powering. Athletes can benefit from it because they're constantly wiring and firing their muscle tissue, which has just thousands and thousands of mitochondria, which are using NAD repetitively. So I've used that in athletes and found that the response that they have is man, I can, I can bike a little bit further. My endurance is better. I just have more go power when I'm training because it's, it's helping muscle tissue to, to power and produce that ATP. So there's all sorts of uses. Chronic conditions are a phenomenal use, but also for health optimization and just general energy levels. NAD could be supportive. 
And so do you find that the IVs are more useful or like beneficial than the patches just because the IVs can take quite a bit of time? So are the patches as effective or does it really depend on the condition that you're trying to treat? And then you'll decide on the method of administering the NAD. Great question. So the IVs, they're pretty expensive. They could be upwards of 500 or more dollars for a single IV. And it's also not a short IV. So that's at least two to four hours sitting in a chair, getting that IV. We have to drip it pretty slow because you get this stomach flipping feeling when you, when you get an NAD IV, which most people don't really love. So the IVs for most people are not the most feasible. IV is a super bioavailable way to get it into the body. We know that if we skip the gut absorption, we're going to get so much better of a response. Many patients that I see have compromised gut barrier, some intestinal permeability or leaky gut. So if we give them a lot of capsules, we know that they'll never get 100% of that. And NAD is really, really bioavailable in an injection, either subcutaneous or IV. I would say the next best would be a patch. It's a transdermal route. And what we give in an IV is typically about 500 milligrams. What we can give in a patch in one day is 800 milligrams. So it's substantially more than an IV. And if you apply the actual NAD solution and just slap it onto your skin, nothing will happen. Your body will not absorb it at all. It's not too big of a molecule to be absorbed transdermally. However, the mechanism of the patch is it works through iontophoresis. So there's a little pull tab and it's really easy to apply. It takes about a minute to put it on. People can do it from home. It's about a 10th of the price. So if an IV is 500, it's about $50 a patch, which is far more cost effective for a good dose that you can do from home. So the patches are a phenomenal option for many people. IVs less so. You need to be working with a practitioner locally who can either come to your house or do it in clinic, and it is more expensive. So patches are a great option. Intranasals, a great option. Sometimes subcutaneous NAD. I've been doing more of those injections, and that produces almost just as good of an effect when done several times a week as an IV. So there's lots of options. There's also precursors to NAD like NR, nicotinamide riboside, and NMN. And those are generally capsules that you can take, which I prefer other options just because I know they generally won't be 100% absorbed because of some absorption issues for most people. We just assume that there might be some compromised gut function. So using some of the patches, other options tend to be a better route for most people. And are the patches like over the counter? Anyone could sort of buy them and order them or do you need a prescription? You do. Right now they're prescription only. Yeah. So they're made and distributed through a compounding pharmacy. So a licensed practitioner, a doctor, naturopathic doctor, your conventional doctor could dispense them to you. They're really easy to do from home as well. I have seen some people will have a reaction to them. There's There's a really specific directionality to the patch. So It involves a little bit of training in terms of how to apply it correctly, but once you get that figured out, most people respond really well and notice changes in energy. If you put it on too late in the day, you'll have too much energy. You won't be able to sleep. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have to try them. And again, I'm so glad that you shared so much great insight about this because I feel like so many people don't know about these types of therapies available. Exactly. That's why I'm so passionate about sharing all this is these are not mainstream, widely talked about, and they are a game changer for somebody with a chronic illness or somebody who with, who just has fatigue and they want to 
perform to the next level, either in their business or in their workouts, and they just don't know about these things that could get them there. Definitely. And there's always ways to improve our overall health. So this is definitely something to look into. Now, I know you lead a really healthy lifestyle. In addition to all the therapies we're discussing, I know that you're really passionate about nutrition and just overall lifestyle. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your routine, specifically your morning routine and maybe sort of your bedtime routine. That's a great question. It's like hacking into the lifestyle of a doctor, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. So my morning routine, I wake up I'm actually a part of this group of women that's called Wonder Athletics. And so we have 30-minute morning workout, which I'll do with a group of women over Zoom. It's 7.30 a.m. PST. So that's usually like I'll wake up, usually have a cup of coffee, I'll work out, and then uh, I have kind of a back patio. I'll sit outside. And I love actually using Tony Robbins has this priming exercise. You can go on YouTube and just Google Tony Robbins priming exercise. And it's about a 12 minute audio, but it leads you through this beautiful visualization meditation in the morning. And that I love doing that. One of the really powerful pieces of that visualization is picturing this golden light kind of infusing into to your heart and to all of your organs. And then you send it out to all the people that you love in the world. And it just, you can't have a bad day after doing that. It's just really just sets the tone for the day. And then I usually, if time permits, sometimes I jump right into work, take a shower. I have meetings and appointments after that. But generally I like to start by reading a book for about 15 minutes. So I'll meditate, I'll read, drink coffee, and then I'll go get ready for the day. But the reading I think is so important and it doesn't really matter when it is. Sometimes I'm reading something in the middle of the day that's contributing to my growing knowledge of how I can help patients or growing knowledge to further better myself. Sometimes that's in the form of an audiobook. I'll listen to 15 minutes in the morning while I'm getting ready and just listen to something really positive that's very passive and easy to intake, something that's very positive. And then in the evening, uh, lately I've been doing a lot of journaling. So that might be two pages or just one page of what I'm grateful for or who I want to become, or sometimes it's involved with a to-do list for the next day. But a lot of times it's something more future, reaching into the future of what I want to create and who I'm grateful for in my life, more reflective pieces things I'm glad I did. So yeah, that's really try to get some activity in every day, movement, feed the mind, feed the body. And actually, so in the evening, I do inject peptides in the morning, I do inject peptides as well. So that's some of the optimization peptides. So I didn't include all of that in, but there are some the boost growth hormone that produce really deep sleep. I'll take some DHHB before I go to bed, which is boosts that GABA, which is that calming, relaxing neurotransmitter, and also promotes really deep restorative sleep. Sometimes I dream when I take that as well. I know I'm getting really deep sleep when I'm dreaming. So so yeah, that's in a nutshell, that's my day. Any favorite books that you think everyone should read? Someone who really inspires me and inspired this journey for me was Ariana Huffington. She has a story of burnout and how she really overworked herself. And a lot of, it's a very common experience where people will spend their health to get their wealth, and then they have to spend their wealth to get their health back. I see this all the time. And it's very, very common. And she talks about her story of doing that really, and how she 
kind of came to this point where she was so burnt out and so exhausted and she ended up fainting and ending up in the hospital and how it was a wake up call for her. So she's got this phenomenal book where she's, she tells her story. What else? I'm reading the power of the subconscious mind right now. That is a game changing book. It talks about physical healing and how so much of our beliefs about ourselves and our body and our life are stored in that subconscious and how when we access that, we can really shift things. So that's a really transformative book. I highly recommend related to health and and mind-body connection. Yeah. I mean, the mind-body connection is huge. I'll have to pick up that book and add it to my collection of books I need to read. (laughs) I know. That's that's a game-changing one. It'll change your life. Yeah. So what are three tips for anyone listening that they can do right now to lead just a healthier, happier life? I would say sleep is a big one, optimizing sleep. And sometimes that involves working with a practitioner, but really making time and prioritizing that. That is the fountain of youth. It's where we repair. It's where we can do certain things in natural medicine to promote insulin sensitivity and blood sugar regulation. But if you're not getting enough sleep, that's just... it promotes fat storage and it really dysregulates our metabolism and it dysregulates our mood and it's harder to be productive in our work. It really just tanks everything in life to not sleep well. So making time for sleep, doing the things to get into that deep restful state and sleep is just fundamental for so many people. And then the other thing, and I found this for myself is dehydration. My brain just functions so much worse when I'm dehydrated. And many times the danger of being dehydrated is most people don't know that they are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so many people also hydrate the wrong way. They think that they're hydrating, but if they're drinking things with sugar and chemicals, it ends up having the reverse effect. Exactly. Yeah. Some of those sweetened electrolyte beverages that really can be more harm than good to their body and their energy levels. It can really throw you into a, a sleep coma after all that sugar. So yeah, the hydrating with, I like to do like lemon water and a little bit of sea salt can be phenomenal in the morning. Green juices are a phenomenal, easy way to do that. They also give you servings of vegetables mm-hmm. during the day. So adding in any sort of green leafy vegetable for some people, it's really hard to get that in their food and adding in at one green juice a day really is just an easy way for them to get more of those. Also rehydrating, my goodness, like celery and cucumber are some of the most rehydrating foods that you could consume. So that's a phenomenal way to rehydrate. And then some people will consume a lot of water and feel like it's just kind of running right through them. So that might be a deficiency of some of those really important electrolytes. So you can add in those things like lemon, sea salt, but you can also buy like really healthy add-ins if you're training to help replete electrolytes if you're sweating a lot. And then I would just say making time to feed your soul every day is so important. And the deeper I get into medicine, the more I understand how everything is connected and how much our mind and our subconscious governs a lot of the the actions that we do to promote health or that we don't do to promote health. And so tapping into that really deep place, analyzing, you know, what was taught to me? What beliefs do I have about my body, about myself, about my life, about my worth that are really making me make these decisions for myself. And I think that that really is 
and there's a greater awareness around, you know, we have to go a lot deeper for transformation and change and health for people. And a lot of what I do is work with the, the physiology. So what's going on in labs, hormones, but there's this whole other piece of the psychology. So how can we really nourish the spirit and come from a place of self-care and nourishing yourself so that you can do that for other people and and bring that to your work into the world. I think it's so important. So yeah, journaling is powerful, making time to read an audio book, just making yourself lifting up your spirit every day in, in some way. Definitely. And living with purpose. I mean, you spoke about your story and how you decided to pursue your passion. And we see so many people who don't take that risk and they don't end up doing what they truly love to do. So they have mm-hmm. to try to find time on their daily lives to, to sneak in at least a little bit of time to, to do something that they do enjoy and that they love. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, it's so important to feel excited about what you're doing and find something that you're super passionate about every day. For sure. Now, another fun question we love to ask everyone who comes on our podcast is that if you could sit down and have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would that be and why? Probably some woman who was really influential. And the first person who comes to mind is Dr. Jolene Brighton, just because she's in a in the space that I'm in, in women's health. And she's been such a pioneer and also helped so many, so many women. But the next person I think of is Ariana Huffington just because she's helped also so many women and has such a powerful story of transformation, understanding her own health. And she's also just a phenomenal businesswoman. So I'd love to hear her take just in person on health and life and creating a robust life that's way beyond just a business and, and money. It's really about having the health, the relationships, the satisfaction in other areas of your life besides work. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to join you guys at that tea table. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Now you're a wealth of knowledge and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to want to learn more about your work and potentially come and work with you and become a client of yours. So for anyone out there listening, where are the best places to reach you at? Generally, most people find me on Instagram first. I have a lot of posts and posts, you know, about peptides and things that I'm doing. So they can find me at Doctor spelled out D O C T O R Amber N D like North Dakota. So that's my Instagram. They can also find me on my website, which is D R Amber A M B E R N D dot com. And I also have a free PDF for anybody listening if they heard about all these peptides and are like water peptides. I, I need to know more about all of these peptides that you talked about. So they can go to peptideplaybook.com and they can get a free PDF that will walk through all the different peptides, give them kind of a primer course on what are peptides and how we use them therapeutically. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We definitely learned a lot and we know that everyone will learn a lot and, you know, really look into peptides because it seems like that's definitely the future and it helps so many conditions and so many different people. So I applaud you on your work and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining us on our episode with Dr. Amber. We learned so much about peptide therapy and its wide range of benefits for treating and managing so many different medical conditions. As always, you can email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch on Instagram at drinkdte. As always, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.